When I was a kid, I had a book where the sea was made of lemonade and my boat was a raspberry bun. Obviously non-scientific nonsense. But today I have for you an invitation to imagine the earth as a vanilla slice. I'm Tegan Taylor and this is Occam's Razor, a soapbox for science. Today you're hearing from Niam Askidoran, not a picture book author, but a real actual scientist who's trying to figure out what's happening in the earth beneath Antarctica's ice sheets. From our everyday experiences, the ground beneath our feet appears to be solid and unchanging. But we know that this isn't the case. We know that the Earth's crust is made up of plates that move around over time, crashing together to form mountains or dipping under one another and diving deep into the Earth. But not only are the Earth's plates drifting horizontally, but the crust of the Earth moves up and down as well. The Earth feels the massive weight of the ice sheets and oceans sitting on its surface. And as these ice sheets grow and shrink, the Earth beneath them responds. The Earth is constantly changing, and this change is driven by both what happens on the Earth's surface and what happens in its interior. As a PhD student at the University of Tasmania, I'm interested in how the Earth and the ice sitting on its surface interact and how having knowledge about the Earth itself can help us to understand this interaction. Before beginning my PhD, I'd never even heard of this interaction between the Earth and the ice before, which we call glacial isostatic adjustment. But it turns out to be important not only for my research, but for the future of Antarctica as well. So I like to think of the Earth as a little bit like a vanilla slice. Like the Earth, vanilla slice is layered. It also has a solid, thin pastry layer on the top with a thicker, squishier custard layer underneath. The pastry is the outer rocky layer of the Earth and the custard layer is the Earth's mantle. Now, if you looked at it, the mantle would seem pretty solid, but over long time scales, it can flow like a very viscous fluid if you push on it with enough force. Now, if you've ever tried to cut a vanilla slice, you'll know that the pastry crust will start to bend and deform as you push that knife into the pastry. And the custard beneath it would start to be squashed as well and would probably squish out the sides and make a huge mess. <laughs> now, if you stop cutting just before the pastry breaks, the pastry will bounce back up, as would most of the custard. And how easily the vanilla slice bends and deforms depends on a few things, like how thick that pastry layer is and how thick or squishy the custard is. Now, replace the vanilla slice with the earth and the force pushing down on it with the weight of a two kilometer thick ice sheet. Just like the vanilla slice, that massive weight of the ice sheet causes the rocky earth beneath it to bend and deform, sinking into the earth's mantle. The mantle is slowly pushed out of the way and over a time scale of thousands of years. So this means that when an ice sheet melts, not only do the sea levels around the globe rise, but the land beneath the ice rises as well. And if we tried to measure how much this melting ice causes sea levels to rise around the globe, we would see that far away from the melting ice sheet, tide gauges sitting on the coast would record an increase in sea level. But closer to those melting ice sheets, 
those tide gauges would actually record a decrease in sea level as the Earth uplifts faster than the rising sea level. But how significant is this effect? I mean, can an ice sheet like those in Antarctica really deform the Earth enough to affect anything at all? Well, to give you an example, we need to take a quick journey back to the last ice age. So we're going to go all the way back to around 20,000 years ago. Tasmania is still connected to the rest of Australia via a land bridge, and woolly mammoths are roaming the Arctic tundra of the northern Europe because huge portions of the northern hemisphere are covered in ice. Ice that could be up to two or three kilometres thick. So that's double or even triple the height of Kunani, Mount Wellington. And such a huge amount of ice was so heavy that the land below it sunk into the mantle by up to 500 metres. So if it was still like that today, most of Scandinavia would be underneath the sea. Now fast forward to the 15th century. The ice sheets have been melted for several thousand years and global sea levels have risen by around 100 metres. Because the custard layer of the earth takes thousands of years to deform and flow, the land in areas like Sweden is still rising, responding to the memory of those continent-sized ice sheets. So this turned out to be a bit of a problem for a medieval town in Sweden called Ersthammer. Now Ersthammer was a port town and the land around Ersthammer had been rising faster than the sea level around it had been. So that this port town was no longer sitting directly on the coast. The locals of the town realised that the port was becoming inaccessible thanks to this continued land uplift and were forced to actually relocate the town so that it sat closer to the sea. Now, this is just one of the first recorded cases of land uplift actually affecting a society. And it put the idea of this even being possible into the minds of scientists at the time. And in fact, there are still towns today in Greenland and Scandinavia that are affected by this process. So, what do vanilla slices and medieval towns have to do with Antarctica? I mean, no one really lives there apart from penguins and scientists, right? So, why do we care? Well, it turns out that not only can the massive ice sheets affect the underlying Earth, but the Earth can in turn affect the ice sheets as well. So, in Antarctica, as the ice accumulates, the ice is slowly pushed under its own weight towards the sea. Once it reaches the sea, it begins to float and eventually melts or carves off into floating icebergs. How quickly this ice flows towards the sea partly depends on the shape of the land that it sits on. In some areas, the ice sits on bedrock that lies below the sea level. And this ice can be particularly unstable meaning that if it melts past a certain point, the surrounding ice will flow much faster towards the sea. And in a runaway effect, the ice sheet in that region can collapse and retreat uncontrollably. However, as the ice sheet collapses and that weight is thrown off into the sea, then the land, or our pastry and custard, underneath the ice sheet begins to rebound. And if it rebounds enough, it can actually stop this runaway retreat from happening or even allow the ice sheets to regrow. So this feedback between the earth and the ice affects the way in which the ice sheet evolves. And if we want to understand what Antarctica might look like in the future, we need to understand these interactions. So underneath West Antarctica, the mantle is hot and it flows much more easily than in other areas. 
Sort of like if we've put too much cream into the custard layer of our vanilla slice. This means that rather than the land rebounding over thousands of years, we've actually observed this rebound occurring over decades as a result of ice sheets that collapsed in the early 2000s. Now, it's not entirely clear whether or not this uplift in West Antarctica will have a stabilising effect or not, but we believe that this effect has had a role in the growth and decline of ice sheets in the past. Now, one of the ways that scientists love to test theories and make predictions is by using computer simulations, and it's no different in Antarctic science. Simulating these interactions between the Earth and the ice, as well as the ocean around it, can allow us to make projections into the future about ice loss or sea level change, or to allow us to infer what might have happened in the past. Unfortunately, Antarctica contains some of the least explored areas of the deep Earth. And if we don't know how thick or runny the custard in our vanilla slice is, we have no hope of simulating how it would actually respond to something like an ice sheet pushing on it. So my research is all about trying to improve this lack of knowledge about the Earth, particularly in East Antarctica, using the limited data that we do have there. And I do this by taking some inspiration from seismic work investigating the interior of Mars. But that's a story for another day. So check back in around a year or so, and hopefully I'll have some interesting results. So looking into the past, paying attention to the world today, and trying to understand what the future might look like is all important if you want to make informed decisions about how to look after our planet. And this is a job that can only be done by people from across the world and in different communities joining forces and working together. I think that one of the biggest scientific communities in the world is the one trying to understand how the planet is changing now and how we can stop contributing to that change. Because not only does it include scientists studying the climate or Antarctica or geophysics like I am, but it includes everyone listening to this as well. We all have a vested interest in our home. So how will you use your interest in science to help us make better decisions about our collective future? Thank you. That was PhD candidate Niam Askidoran from the University of Tasmania. And if you like talks that compare geology to dessert foods, please go back through our archives to a different geologist in 2021 explaining earthquakes as if Australia was a giant pavlova. But back to Niam, he was speaking at our Occam's Razor live show at Willie Smith's Apple Shed in Lutruwita, Tasmania. I'm Tegan Taylor, your Occam's Razor host, and I'll be back with more sweet, sweet science next week. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.